0: ross and mark say it all that's a working title i don't know if it's a good one or not ross we're gonna work on it but anyway if you've been waiting for it here we go we need a better intro we need some better music i don't know what do you think about this ross I'm all right with this. It, that's, just, that's it, just came, it just came with the podcaster.
1: It's okay, man. It's got good energy. That's that's what it's about to get us going here, right? Is that it? Kind of sets the mood and gets us going.
0: It, it is a mood. I do it think it the, is a mood setter.
1: I do think the Mark and Ross say it all is probably. because <laughs> this week it's going to be more like Mark and Ro- Ross? No, says, no, no, no. Ross wait, 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 says no, what he no, can. <laughs>
0: no, it's 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 Ross and Mark. I'm giving you no, okay. giving you top billing, my friend. No,
1: okay. I, we'll just figure out a name for it. Like s- says it all. Or,
0: You're the superstar know, around this here
1: is, right now, man. It's uh, things have been it's been a weird week, but this we have been talking about kind of doing something like this for a long time anyway, and then this is what a, what a great way to launch what we wanted to do, which is basically just kind of talk about life and what what it's like to be forty. Because man, this there's some sort of real for, forty one like midlife for crisis. Forty one for me also some sort of real midlife crisis and now all of a sudden in this last week I've had it in uh, apply in several different ways so, you've had
0: it you've had it in spades yeah. the last the last week or so which right. which we'll dive into but I wanted to um, so for for the tens of you that are out there listening to this uh, thanks for that so obviously our history goes back quite a ways at this point but um, what really started to happen and I want I want to uh, a little bit explain how this came today, because I think people, I was reminded on Twitter that people, uh, they have their own versions of events. They create things, et cetera, which is, I think why truth
1: is everybody has their own version of is truth and history, man. No, yeah.
0: absolutely. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that, but so you and I started doing obviously podcasts through the podcast. That's why most people, um, that are listening to this, uh, probably have, you know, know who I am because of the podcast. Um, uh, and I did find it humorous, although totally, totally um, appropriate the other day on when you announced or tweeted out or retweeted that we're going to be doing a podcast. Someone said, <laughs> who is Mark? And I, uh, yeah. I I tweeted that. I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't blame the guy. you probably like, who is Mark? But to FawCast listeners, et cetera, they know what this is about. Yeah. Obviously, people might be listening to this for the first time um, that are coming here through you. So uh, for about four years, um, I did the FawCast, which was – Started out uh, with myself Which and
1: fall was Friday. After Friday work. after
0: work, yeah, and it was essentially the same theme as what we're doing here, talking about life. And I started that uh, as an as an advertiser with Cyclone Fanatic and Chris Williams and Adam Gray, uh, who was Adam was there at the time, and just had an idea to um, what's a way to get to know more people, get them to know uh, who I am, all of that. So so it was a a paid sponsorship thing. Um, or I was paying them to get introduced to the cyclone Fanatic crowd. And that lasted for four years, roughly. And Adam Gray came, I was there, and then left for another job. And then throughout the whole four years, uh, we would have you on as, as a guest host. Sometimes yeah. Chris couldn't make it, so it would just kind of be you and I, and we had some other people that came in as well. Uh, but what I always enjoyed was just, I think we think the same. In a lot of ways, which you don't want necessarily want a podcast where the hosts are exactly the same in their thoughts. But we
1: have a lot of differences.
0: <laughs> we do. <laughs> we we do, um, including things like you know how we how we were. Well, even how we were raised had some similarities yeah. to it. But yeah. um, I went to Ames High. You went to, to East. I mean, so yeah, there's there's definitely some differences. Speaking of that, East has some nice bathrooms. Just to get you riled up this morning. So.
1: Did you now? <laughs> have you seen the new ones? No. They they have, dude. They went to work on those things we'll all, be, talk, all because we'll of you. We'll talk about that.
0: So, anyway, so Ross and I are doing this uh, co host thing uh, from time to time. And what I would hear when you were on it was I really love the episodes when Ross is on it. Uh, I don't know if it was just because we were going down different rabbit holes than we would typically do, but I started to think, you know what? I have fun when Ross is on. It'd be fun to do uh, a podcast with him at some point. So, anyway, the podcast came to an end. Um, and a lot of people want to know why the podcast came to an end. I'll tell you two reasons today why it did, because again, just in truth, I think people think, ah, oh, Mark and Chris hate each other or they had a falling out or, or something along those lines. The reality is the podcast ended, um, just briefly for me for, for two, uh, pretty specific reasons. One, it felt like four years it had run scores. Chris and I were talking about some of the same stuff over and over again. Um, sometimes you struggle to find new territory to cover. Um, and Chris was extremely busy, is extre- yeah. extremely busy, right? Yeah, right? He's doing games. He has to, you know, I can't make it today. I got to go up and interview the new coach or, or whatever, right? So that was just the reality of it. And so that was part of it. And the other part was was all me. It had nothing to do with Chris, et cetera. Like I said, when the podcast started, I was, I was paying to do it. And I continued to pay throughout that time. So uh, Fanatic was fair to me, by the way. They started charging me less as time went on. But I got to the point four years in where I said, you know what, I'm, I'm uh, co-hosting a show that I'm being told is quite popular and does well. Why am I still paying for it? You know, I kind of wanted to just be the co-host, et cetera. And that's, again, there's nothing on Chris. Chris wasn't telling me no way, dude. It was just the thoughts in my own head. So I wanted to get to the point where I could do a podcast and not have to pay to do it. So, the combination of those two, two things led me to think, you know what? Maybe it's just time to go. So, uh, for rumor control, Chris and I are still friends. I saw Chris the other day at the bar he in Bonnerant, by me, the way.
1: And he said, the, uh, he, he's like, I gave Charter a big hug last night. He said, I was pretty drunk when I did it.
0: Oh, he was way drunk. Chris was way drunk, but I didn't we blame had, him at we the time had an because week, yeah. the night I saw him was the night that you guys had found that you were rehired. Yeah. So, uh, no, he had tied several on. at at that point so um so someone asked the other day on twitter um why is why is chris never on my version of of the podcast well i've never asked him to be on he hasn't reached out to want to be on nor would he uh, i don't think he would want to do that because it was a nothing podcast i'm talking about before now so my response to all of that is chris is always welcome on he can come on anytime he wants i have no problem with chris i don't think chris has a problem with me um you know, if he does, it's business related. Hopefully,
1: I can. So, I mean, over the last month, you two have probably been the two guys I've talked to the most over what uh, you know, all the things have happened. The last week, you certainly are the two guys yes. I've talked to the most. Yeah. So I do know this relationship uh, very well. I think everything you've just said there is is exactly right. Mark Chris loves you. Chris is a wonderful guy. I mean, Chris is just a Chris is a business owner like you are. And he's an extremely busy guy, like you are. I'm a ama- man. I talk about relationships all the time and how am- amazing they all are. You know, you 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 meet somebody, you're on the same path for a little while, and then things just eventually are going to grow apart. Four sure. years is a long time for two guys that are as busy as you are, that have as many irons in the fire as you do, to keep something like that going. And uh, yeah, so I think that's fair to say. And, and the fact that he hasn't been on or done one of these podcasts is not yeah it's not because Chris doesn't want to come hang out it's because the guy's super busy yeah I mean, super busy so
0: no don't so yeah don't read into that don't read into the Chris and I are mad at each other that that has nothing to do with it um, at all but with all that being said so everything ended and I was excited about the possibility of being able to kind of do my own thing but I didn't want to do a solo thing I wanted to do it with you um, just because again the dynamic that we had had um, when you guest hosted on on the forecast. But uh, we ran into a roadblock at that time. So people were wondering, when's this podcast going to come? And I wanted to say, hey, man, I'd love for it to be tomorrow, but there's some stumbling blocks uh, in the way. So then this leads us all into your adventures that started last week, um, which you're free to obviously take it from there if uh, you want to tell people what it was like to get canned so publicly. (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: Odd, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, and that was something I'd never even considered about... um what was happening with my life and my career and that radio show was that when it would come to an end, it would come to such a public end. I'd never even, I'd never seen the end of the tunnel at all. Never thought about it. Yeah. I was going to do this until, and I hope to do radio until radio doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. I really, I mean, I love, love, love that building, those people, that place. It's just, it's been amazing what I've been able to do. I, so um, Tuesday was a weird day and Travis justice has talked a lot about this on their, on their morning show, the morning rush on KXNO, but kind of walk through some of the timeline of what happened. But, um, it was it, it, my normal routine. Uh, most days is I will wake up. I'll get through a couple podcasts before six, uh, have the shower out of the way and then listen to the morning rush while I'm kind of sitting there and, and hanging out in the morning. And, uh, then at the end of the show, about eight fifteen, Travis will call me as he's driving to work. And we'll just talk about the day. We'll talk about the show and things I missed. And Why does, you know. just
0: just out of curiosity, yeah. why does he make that phone call?
1: Because Travis is my best friend, one yeah. of my best friends. I mean, I've got a couple guys that are really, really close to me, right? And that uh, Travis and I, over the times of working together, have grown that bond. And it's uh, he's got a 10-minute window where he's driving to work and doesn't have anything to do. And I have been listening to his radio show and he gets to bounce stuff off me. And then, and, you know, it's a good time for me, all this. It just works out. Yep. So he called me at 8.15 I didn't think anything of it. I answered the phone and uh, he's like, dude, they just fired Sean Roberts. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that makes no sense. Sean, he must have done something, man. Sean did something he wasn't supposed to. He, he, he said something he wasn't supposed to. Darn it. Well, maybe, you know. Does, does Andrew know? Does Scott Knock, our sales manager, do these guys know? Mm-hmm. He said, I don't know. I'm mad. I'm going to call him and find out. And this just kind of started this barrage of phone calls that, um, uh, you know, everybody's timeline is going to be like you were just talking about. Everybody's memory is different. It became a blur of information that started to come at me. Your phone From, got hot real quick. My phone got hot at 8.15, and yesterday – <laughs> yes, eight fifteen lasted for a week. My phone has been red hot, and um, yeah, so it was just wild. We started to realize right away that uh, nobody really knew what was happening. That we were all kind of being blindsided by information here. Everybody that we were calling was going, "What? What?" Nobody had an, a reason or anything. Um, I normally don't go into the, uh, the office until about ten o'clock, but again, it's like eight thirty, and we're starting to find out that the wheels are being taken off the cart very mm-hmm. quickly. So I got dressed and got ready for work and just went in. And um, by the time I was headed to work, I knew that Sean, Heather, Travis, and Andrew had all been fired. Now, when it was Sean, Heather, and Travis, there was a moment of like, well, maybe they're just blowing up the morning show. Yeah. Maybe there's no chance. Andrew that, you know, was the something's, surprising something's piece. happened, yeah. Andrew was the... Um, uh, Andrew was the, oh, no, we're all in trouble piece, okay? Yeah. Because he's the captain of the ship. Like, he's the boss right now. And yep. if, they're, if they're blowing him out, and if he didn't know, we, we kind of got the idea when I called Andrew right away. I'm like, dude, they're firing everybody. And he says, uh, probably me too, because I didn't know anything about it. And so Andrew and I immediately had that moment of like, hey, man, we had a really good run here. You know, you and I, we have a lot to be very proud of. We took over... Uh, 10 years ago when we were sitting around, we had a daydream. About, we would literally sit in the office and talk about, man, if if I could be the program director and if I could be a show host, this is what we'd do. And, man, I think we would do really well. I think a, a show that I hosted, we could make it the number one show in the, in the Target demo. And, all, and we had all these big ideas. And then we did it. We made those dreams come true, which was
0: so awesome. Isn't that a cool feeling Dude. when you're like, it's. It, I'm not comparing a radio show to a real estate company, I, but I think Mark, Back in is- my Remax days, like man, I think I could start my own thing. And then one day you sit around, and you look, and you're like, I did it, and it feels feels weird,
1: right? It does it, because. I didn't ever – and in a weird way, Mark, I'm glad to have – because it almost – it, it wasn't until it was taken away that – I mean, I've always been appreciative. I've always been appreciative of opportunities. I don't want mine opportunities. taken away. I know. Anyway. <laughs> well, yours can't be. That's a nice thing about what you've got. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, I, and we knew this all along, you know, that, uh, that something like this was probably going to happen because we work for a corporation that is, uh, you know, publicly in a lot of financial – what Restructuring. It I seems think is like the right they've been that it. way
0: since they started.
1: I mean, radio went through a horrible time there, right? Mark on a, on a national scale. But we have. I was always a guy. I mean, from two thousand seven when we started having meetings in those rooms where it was like, "Hey, we're going to have a really rough road here," and uh, someday there's going to be half the employees in this room that there are right now. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to be one of the guys that survived all of those things, and made it through, and was able to to continue to have uh, all the luxuries that, that the radio shows provided me, man. It's been awesome. And, and the, but the thing that was cool, um, you know, we've talked about this little cliche that both of our dads who worked at UPS, one of those similarities we have, uh, taught us very early on, which is relationships are more important than opportunities, okay? This opportunity that I had to do a radio show was great. The relationships that I w- was able to build – that was that's what's been amazing. That's what and I thought I was dumb enough to really believe on Tuesday in the emotion of getting walked out of a place that I wanted to work at till I was 95 years old. Okay. Um, I thought all that stuff was over. I thought that in, in that moment, it was like, all right, the radio was a fun life. You know, I'm going to call charter and we're going to do this real estate thing full time. And this is going to be <laughs> Which this. You
0: did this. I did. I, I listen. I man, doubt I was your first call, but it must have been pretty quick because you called were, me right after you got walked out of there. Yeah,
1: you were, I think, in those. I mean, it was like wife, Chris, you, I <laughs> yeah. think is how it went down. And then I, I mean, and then it was Bruno. Yeah, because I called Bruno is one of my best friends. And I know Bruno's got a bunch of jobs available. So I called him I said, "Dude, I just got bounced. What can you do?" And Bruno, as all friends did during that week, said, "I'm going to do everything I can for you." You know, I said, "I'm not going to be able to get my real estate license for a couple of weeks. I'm starting classes. I'm doing a background check. Da da da." But I, it's going to be a couple. It's going to be a while before I'm paying bills with this thing. Yeah, and I got to figure something out now. Yeah. And like a friend, Bruno said, like, "Well, we'll make you the we'll make you a busboy. You know, you do whatever you can do to yeah. to pay the bills around." And I, I just kind of made that. Went home, sat down with the wife, and right away it was like, "Let's move." Let's. let's I'm sad, and I'm and I'm going to cry a little bit here, and I'm, I realize that something's gone. But I can, I have got a network, yeah, and I can at least reach out to that network and say, "What do I do?"
0: You found out you had a huge one too, dude.
1: It was amazing. Aren't it was you just amazing?
0: In hindsight, we we I've talked about this uh, with with you. I mean, in in hindsight, uh, getting fired was a good thing. It was, yeah, it was for, for Mark, a lot for a lot of
1: reasons. You know, we'll see how this all plays out. I'm still, I'm still in the emotion of it. Like, I, I yesterday was the first time I really felt like I caught my breath, and we'd already been on the, we'd already done a show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so doing the show, I won't remember Tuesday's show. I just won't. I, yeah. I already don't. The last week has just been a, a snap. Yeah. Um. Yesterday, I was on the phone with a friend, and for, and something kind of like the reality kind of started to sink back in, and I could feel feel myself catching my breath. But even this morning, as we were, I mean, you know, we were talking right before we started recording here, you know, I have a cup of coffee, and, and I'm right back into that whirlwind feeling of... It's just... it's. it's I thought about this this morning, you know, because Chris just had a second baby. And you know what this is like when you bring a new baby into the house. It's... There's... There's this chaos. Yeah. And then that somehow that chaos becomes your new normal. Yep. And I'm still in that chaos phase, right? This is going to become my new normal and I'm going to get used to it and I I'm 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 settling into the pace pretty quickly here, but um, it's still chaos and I'm still I'm still in that new baby phase, right? And so
0: to use a to uh, an extreme example, but I, I can't help but wonder if you kind of feel this way because What you just went through was extremely odd. You know, getting fired is not necessarily odd. Lots of people get fired, but getting fired and then get rehired, all of it happened publicly, et cetera. I can't help it if part of you is like, the scenario that's jumping to mind is imagine for a second your wife steps out on you, right? Yeah. Then comes back and says, I want to work on this. So now you're back together. But as part of you, like, when's it going to happen again?
1: That's the exact analogy that several people have used with me. Okay. So, like, you know, people have twisted
0: brains just like mine.
1: Yeah. But I think that it's, that's fair. I mean, you know, again, this has all happened so publicly that um, I'm not—I don't think I'm telling any secrets here. My, like 17 years I had in that place, really more than that, because I was a part timer before that, and I worked in radio. So, I mean, I'd give. At, I'm 41 right now, and I think guys that are listening to this, if you are between 31 and 51, you can appreciate this feeling of dedicating your life to something. This was my career. This wasn't. This wasn't something I did. This was who I was. This was my life, and my kids grew up in that building. And um, I had no—I just—I honestly thought I was in a position um, of security that even when things were trimmed, like, man, I've just got a really good resume, and I—and I don't make a lot of money, you know, so I don't see how when there's restructuring, I'm not a guy that they hold on to. I'm in—I'm 41. I've got all this experience. I'm Mm -hmm. here in Des Moines. I've got all these connections so I didn't see it. Like I, w- I was completely blindsided within the matter of about 15 minutes from getting those first phone calls to the time I walked into the office, knowing what was going to happen when I walked in, I knew what we were there for and it still was emotional and it still was a, a train that ran over me. And, and then, yeah, that, uh, that 20, it was Mark, to be exact, it was like 28 hours between being walked out the door and getting a phone call back from my boss that, asked me to come back down to the state so let me
0: ask you to pinpoint one thing that you might not know because there might not be a clear answer on this but there's lots of contributing factors to why um joel mccray said we made a mistake we want to bring you back what do you think is the the biggest reason the number one for me it's probably related to sponsors but maybe you have a take on this why did it happen so quickly
1: Man, Mark, it, I think you said it right. Like it's, it's a, There were a lot. There had to have been a lot of factors. I don't know, man. I don't know, but I think my speculation is probably the same that everybody else's is that the outpouring of everybody on social media, whether it was, um, whether it was. Twitter and Facebook or whatever, uh, people calling into the radio station, people trying to reach out to the actual general manager, sending it. I don't know. That, that w- there was noise there, right? And then there was noise from the sponsors, as Murph and Andy have, have talked about. You know, that uh, it started, I, I believe, with, Mer- with Andy just not sure about how to proceed. You know, it goes back to that relationships thing, right? Andy and AD are like best friends. And they were planning on doing a radio show together at two Mm o'clock and it's nine o'clock and you get a phone call that says, Hey, your best friend's got been bounced. Good luck. Have a show. And not that that's how that conversation went down. I don't know, but I do know that at one point Andy said, I can't do that. I don't, I can't do that. The opportunity of doing a radio show is not more important than this friendship that I have. And I need to look at the person first before the potential and I'm going to I'm going to decline this opportunity right now to do a radio show today. And, and and then he just decided I better reach out to our advertisers and let them know why I'm not doing a radio show today. Because they're going to want to know why we're not talking about you, right? And that was what I think started the snowball of the advertisers, which I do believe was a huge, huge sure. part of it. Um. And outside of that, I don't know mark i you know I don't know that uh I don't know where the phone call came from. I don't know who it was i i've heard I heard Joel on with Trent Condon one day um and he kind of laid out this the the timeline of how you know what he was hearing and how he was hearing and what was it that made it helped him swing this decision back in you know in the way that it came and uh, it does seem like it was just a soup of stuff that there were a lot of different moving parts that came together and made the right noise at the right time man it was like Horton Here's a who to me and from my perspective that's what it was like yes. enough people were screaming and yelling and saying I can't believe you did this that he was able to go back and say whoever it was somebody reached out to somebody else and said hey Let's just acknowledge that we made a mistake and see if we can back this train up. And then, as you know, because I, I was moving, man, I, was, I thought my life was over and I had to start new. And I've got two kids at home with a wife who just started a new job. And I had to move. Right, So I started to do all of those things that would put a new life in place.
0: Your sulking period was very limited. I couldn't,
1: dude. I couldn't. I mean, I, I had I had one day. Chris and I both decided. In fact, when we got together with a group, we, when we all got bounced, we got together on a text group and said, "Hey, let's get together somewhere." Andrew's brother is a bartender at a at a local bar, so we went over there and hung out, and we cried, and we held it together for a while, and then we took some pictures, and I, that's when I, I think I was the first one to actually start to lose it, and uh, and then it kind of started this, you know, domino effect of everybody getting pretty emotional. And that was when Chris and I, I think Chris was probably the one that actually said it, but Chris said, listen, we have 24 hours to be sad, and then we got 24 hours to be mad, and then that's it, and then, you know, we're this we, we, you move on with your life, right? Yeah. And uh, and I, I really took that to heart, and I even took that to me, and I got tonight. Today's my sad day, and I got to, uh, Tuesday night to just sit around, and I didn't even get that chance, Mark, because so many people were reaching out to me with, Again, reaffirming that thing, or maybe not even reaffirming because I didn't know it existed. I thought it was over. I thought me as a personality in Des Moines had walked out of that building and it and the door closed behind me. And I thought that was over. And I was sad about that. And then the phone started to buzz. And it was all of these different things. You know, it was uh, it w- the people that wanted to do podcasts, people that wanted to have me do other things for them, you know? And just, it it was, it was awesome to realize like, oh, wait a minute. I get to carry all those relationships with me. Like I, because I, because I cared more about these people than I did everything else. I get, I get to take all that with me. You got one of those
0: rare opportunities where you kind of got a funeral moment, which is where everybody comes, you're dead and everybody comes and says, oh, Ross was such a great guy and I appreciated him and all of that stuff. And you got to see it when you were alive. I did, Mark, I'd never thought of that,
1: man. That's a great way to put it. Because I got a lot of stuff on Facebook of like kids that I helped out over the years that are adults now. Um, I had a bunch of people that reached out to me that said like, man, this is something that you did for me in my career and helped me out. And you sat me down and gave me this advice. And uh, that was the real. I never thought about the, that. That's what I got to go through, man. It was an emotional, emotional experience. And it and, It was for Joel also. Like, you know, I I said this on my show. um,
0: He was essentially just the ax man, right? Dude,
1: how hard this must have been for him. Joel knows me and, and Andrew so well that he has met our parents at different events. Joel's mm-hmm. been at both of our weddings, okay? So Joel knows our parents, and Joel knows our children. He knows three generations of our families. Mm-hmm. And he had to bring us both in knowing that this is a dream job that we wanted to do forever and say, today's the last day. We'll pack your stuff. See you later. Yeah. So, I, I you know, this has been, uh, I know this has been really difficult on him also, and there's a lot of people, because a lot of people reached out to me like, well, screw him. It's like, no.
0: It was not on. his call. <laughs> this...
1: You know, he's in a tough spot, too, It's and and there's you know, there's no hard feelings on it. I'm. It was hard to walk back into that building. It was really tough. As you talked about, it was like having the—, the your, I feel like you got to
0: swallow a little bit of pride You're, to do it.
1: And everybody's looking at you like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. It walked you out of here. You yeah. know, and I didn't Jerry Maguire the place. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's coming with me? You didn't take the goldfish?
1: Yeah. Well, but it's this uh, this all mark like when it all settles down, man. What in this this month has just been unbelievable because, like I just mentioned, Erin started a new job and she works overnights, which is incredible. Like the it's uh, oh, difficult. My mom was diagnosed with cancer right before Christmas. Yep. And I'm a mama's boy, so that this, this, so <laughs> that's this, a tough one, dude. This has been a month, man. Yep. This has just been. Uh, it's hard to focus on anything. Even when I think I'm getting, I, even when I think I'm focusing on something, I notice that I drift and I'm, I, my eyes are are caught off in the distance and I'm just kind of like, what
0: the, what the hell is happening? <laughs> what world am I in? You know, this part of you though, um, I was looking to see if I had something written down from something. You, you reminded me of something. I don't think I do, but anyway, um, you know, it, obstacles like this are they can be looked at obviously as a bad thing, and most people do. I was I'm going to give a recommendation here. I know you love um, I know you love documentaries and things like that. I'm not sure if you've seen this. Can't remember if I asked you, but there's a documentary on Netflix called "I Am Not Your Guru" uh, yes. about Tony Robbins. Yes. So it's not about Tony Robbins. It's not a documentary about Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins, uh, which is one of the biggest most successful life coaches that we have um does an event called date with destiny every single year people pay five thousand i I think might be more but at this time this was recorded in 2015 i believe but uh you know five thousand dollars to attend packed room um i did the math like 12.5 million in that room based on seats so he's making good money doing this but the documentary shows this event And it shows interaction. So he goes around. He he obviously does a lot of coaching and teaching, but then he also does a lot of one-on-ones with people in the audience for everyone else to hear. And really, it's about overcoming the stuff in your life that's holding you back. It's about, what do you want your life to look like in the future? How do we get you there? How do we get you on the right path? So you have a life that's fulfilling, that you have a job that's fulfilling. You're not just going through the motions, right? Because that's a shitty way to go through life. We can swear on this, by the way. So, um... It's just not not a good way to go through life. And he has a, a moment. So it's called "I Am Not Your Guru" on Netflix. If you haven't, if you've never seen it, don't get bogged down by it. it's a documentary and it's about a seminar and stuff. It, it's it's really good. It, it catches your attention right away yep. and it holds holds your attention. Held mine, right? And, and I'll, by and the way, I'll, don't and I'll be, admit I cried during a little bit too. I mean, it can get emotional.
1: Af- don't be afraid of the cuss words because Tony Robbins is oh, not yeah. the guy from the infomercials that you remember when you were a kid. He's a,
0: no. And he has a reason for that. He even talks about his yeah. it. taboo language. So if you suddenly shout an F word, you get people's attention by doing that. So if you think you're losing them or they're drifting off, et cetera, throw an F bomb out there, I guess is the rule of thumb. But in this, he's talking about a couple of things that really resonated with me. Um, that I try to carry forward in my own life. One is that he talks about his upbringing a lot, and he was abused physically by his mother. And he says, my mother beat me, but my mother loved me. You can have both. It's a strange dichotomy to think about that, but you can She was fearful. He was her support. He was, she was fearful of him leaving, et cetera. And she handled it in a way that was not a great way to handle it, but handled it the only way she felt like she could. But he says in this documentary, if my mother had been the mother I wanted... I would not have become the man I'm proud to be. Sometimes our situations that we overcome build us into stronger, better people. He also says, uh, he's talking about the the room as a collective, he says, you know what your biggest problem is in this room? And if you can just get over this problem, life will get a lot better for you. Your biggest problem is thinking you shouldn't have any.
1: That's really good.
0: That's the biggest problem. Because he says problems make us into stronger people when we overcome them, right? Problems are what make us learn. You know, we don't, we don't learn much when life's perfect and we're just going through it. But when we have those obstacles to overcome, when we have a family member that's got cancer, or anything like that, obviously in the moment we can look at it and say, this sucks. And I get that. That's life, right? We're all going to lose parents. We're all going to lose people that we care about. How do we grow from them? How do we get through them? And getting through a problem feels great, right? It's just like my wife and I did a puzzle the other day. It was a 500-piece puzzle. And when that thing was done, it felt great. It's a puzzle.
1: The, yeah, The th- and the thing, Mark, is that uh, when that puzzle is lasting for days or weeks or months... It
0: was days, <laughs> for it, sure. It's,
1: that's when it's difficult. You know, that's when you... It's so easy to just give up and to go, okay, I can't focus on this right now. I can't do this And you thing. get up and you walk away from and it. And you get up and you walk away, and then you, it's still there. The, the puzzle's still there and the problems are still there. It's so easy to just try to kick it down the road with everything that we do, man. And, um, yeah, the, the difficult thing comes in that day-to-day. Have you, have you ever heard the, the commencement address that's called This Is Water? I don't think so. So it's kind of the same thing. And, and, and in a way, there's a lot of big conversations that converge with this. Alan Watts has a big thing about um, uh, contrast. You know, you, you can't understand black without white. You can't be happy without unless you sad. know sadness. And, and the, and, but the this is water is really what um, what I think you're talking about here is. It starts with this allegory of two fish are swimming along, and uh, an older fish comes swimming up to him, and he says, uh, hey, boys, water feels great today, doesn't it? And he swims away, and the two fish look at each other, and they say, "What's water?"
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if you're always around it, you yeah. don't even know it. Yeah, and uh, and and that's, you know, life is not about solving the puzzle. It's not about the, It's it's not about that, or rather, it is about solving the puzzle. It's not about the solved puzzle. It, it's, it is that mundane, that Tuesday afternoon at the grocery store, everybody's angry, you'd have no idea what every person in there is carrying as their own burden. That's life. That's water. Like that's what solving the puzzle, sitting down and trying to get through all of it is tough, man. That's adult, right? It's what, it's what this thing is. And, uh, man, some weeks it just, it, some, some days the world spins really fast and some days it just feels like it's an eternity of muck. You
0: know? I'll never forget in real estate, what you're about to enter into this. I had a day, I, I, this is another example of when we have those bad days. I could not even come close to telling you what the issues were on this day. I mean, this was a few years ago, but I was just having one of those days where every call you get is a bad news call. Three deals fall apart, you know, just one of those days. And I remember going home at like 5.36 and I went to bed. It was just like this day cannot possibly get any worse. I'm not even going to let it happen at this point. I'm just going to go to bed. Yeah. Like, how am I this exhausted? Yeah. It's just like, uh, you can't, you know, phones off, can't reach me now. You know, I'm safe. So yes, you have those days. Obviously as an optimist, which I am, uh, the vast majority of my days are, are good days. But anytime you're in a business where you're really trying to do the right thing for people or make sure that they're happy with service and stuff, things just don't always go the way that you want to. And if you carry that with you, you can have days where it's like, man, I just let that person down or whatever. And and you just got to learn to get over that. You talked about that, giving yourself 24 hours to be sad, et cetera. I give myself an hour. So welcome. the world. That's good. Welcome to the world of real estate. <laughs> that's right? a better way to do it. So I'll, I'll teach you these things, young one. Uh, when you get the phone call saying, Ross, you know what? Thanks for your effort, but we're going to go in another direction, et cetera. Um, that stuff used to bother me way more than it does now. And- What helps is when you get to the point, which no rookie in real estate is going to feel this way, where you feel like, I I really truly feel bad for them because what they're about to switch to is not as good. And you'll understand you don't control real estate. That's the number one thing that uh, it's tough to work around in this business in that you know what you're doing. You're doing the same game plan for that listing, same marketing, same effort, same everything, and it's just not selling and the other ones are, right? Right. Because it's out of your control, it takes a buyer to walk through the house and say, This is home. You don't control that part of it. So when someone calls and says, Hey, thanks, but we're gonna go in another direction, and now you see who they hired, and that person doesn't sell nearly as much as you, they charge more than you. It's a frustrating feeling. But the feeling is I feel bad for that client that they now have to spend thousands of more dollars and they're with someone that's just not as successful, etc but that comes from a place of like, you want good things for the clients. You don't want them to have to overpay, et cetera. And it feels not great when they didn't give you a lot of time to, to get the job done or didn't believe in you or pulled the plug quickly. That's why I tell a lot of clients, well, these are the numbers. Let's look at, the, the numbers and right. let's look at who you're about to yeah, hire. I've got
1: a better feeling of what it's like to have the, uh, to, to be, to be canned Mark. So I think I've got yeah, got yeah you, better, you
0: got a better feeling for it now. You, you certainly do. But yeah, so I give hopefully, myself, hopefully I give myself an hour.
1: Hopefully in real estate, it won't be as emotional for me. Yeah. So, <laughs> you,
0: you, well, maybe not for you, but you'll, you'll, uh, when you get into residential real estate, um, it's a good and a bad thing. I had somebody the other day ask me, why I don't do commercial real estate? Because they have a friend that does it and, and in commercial real estate, you can make some really good money. And this is the plus and the minus. The reason I do residential over uh, commercial is impact. That's why I do it. If I help someone lease a building or do anything downtown or whatever, there's no emotion to that. It's a, it's a strict business deal. Uh, I don't think the people are going to come to your funeral, going back to that theme, and say, man, he was a great commercial broker. He just negotiated that $18 a square foot for me when it could have been 20. You know, it's just different. When you many, 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 many times over 15 years, I've dealt with people that are getting divorced, that you're in the living room with both of them and it's a tough situation, but your job is to help them, that you've saved money, that you were able to work out a problem in a deal. We're dealing with real people's lives that need to move on. And many of those things are happy, right? They're newlyweds. And they want to buy the first house or they're selling because they want to buy a bigger house or whatever. It's not all negative stuff, but I've seen tears from clients many times because they can get bogged down in the weight of this transaction that you're helping them with. And our job is to help. So it's just a different thing. I hope at the end of the day, when I retire, people will say, Mark tried to do things the right way. He was honest with us. He tried to save us money, you know, those things. So hopefully you're making some impact. So, um, My hope is that you'll feel the same as you venture into this. And obviously, the good thing, again, another plus about you getting fired uh, was that you got, um, I think you were able to see what I had already been telling you, which was, Ross, I believe in you. I think you've got a big network. People are going to support you. And I think your response was, I don't know. I don't know about that. And then you got fired and you got a glimpse into what it could be like. For you, yeah. Like right, nice, right away, nice. I had someone reach out to me and say, "I want to buy a house and I want to do it with Ross." And I said, "Hey, he's not licensed yet, yeah. but you know, <laughs> once he is, he, he'd love to help you." So we're going to meet with that guy and 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 chat with him. But you know, that was one example, and you heard from probably hundreds of people, right? Um, just things on Twitter, seeing people. I, I know people will call and want to go buy or sell with you, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm the one that's going to put pressure on you. You know, you come with these what I call small goals. I'm like Ross, get out of here with that crap, dude. You're you're better than that. You're gonna do more than that. So I don't mean to be a dick about dude, it, dude. I but love
1: it. And this is this week has uh this week has just been overwhelming in so many ways, dude. Uh, it's it, it's beyond words, and I'm really good at finding words for how I feel, and I can't do it. Some days, these last week, this last week has just been. The emotion of all the different people reaching out the, with the stories of like, hey, this is what you did that impacted my life. The sure. fun- your funeral things are what great way to look at it. And I did have, when I put out like, hey, I'm moving on. I'm going to do this real estate thing and we're going to hit the ground running. Um, yeah, I was, I, the people that shared it on Facebook, I was shocked when I looked at that list. I was like, oh my goodness, this is... Uh,
0: I didn't know they were in my corner. I didn't
1: know these. Yeah. Yeah. I knew this was a guy that knew me, you know, my, our kids play little league together, but I didn't know that he, and he sent out to his networks and hey, Ross is a great guy. And if you're going to buy yourself a home, do it with, I was like, wow, this is terrific. So it, it was in, awesome. Reaffirming and, and now I'm ready. Uh, yeah. Now I'm, I'm starting to figure out that new goals thing, man. I got to, got to do that now.
0: Well, yeah. And, and you know, this is a new life for you and i'm and i'm happy like i told you the whole time i mean the radio show is awesome you should continue to do it you should use that for real estate and hopefully you will um but you had said um the we're talking about impact etc and you mentioned earlier in the show i want to go back to it so you crapped all over uh crapped is a good good word to use here the east bathrooms (laughs) that you happened to stumble in you took some pictures this shows impact this shows what it what can happen right so you were at East High for an event. You went into the shower stall for some reason, snapped a photo, didn't I had look to, now,
1: great. Hold on. <laughs> I went, I had to pee. Not in the shower. You have to walk past the shower to get to the, to the bathroom. Okay. And that was why, so I, so uh, here's what happened. I was there helping out with a junior varsity wrestling tournament. All the glory that comes with working a mat table. At See, a this is, this is team. why people love you. Because you do stuff like this. As I was leaving, I saw the varsity football coach. And so I asked him, I'm like, hey, Coach Sean, what's up? I said, man, I got to pee. Where can I go pee? And he kind of just pointed down this old locker room corridor, which was open now. And I so because you, your first thing made it sound like I was a weirdo. I'm going to tell you the whole story. This is how it went down. I went in and I turned the corner and there was a locker room full of high school wrestlers of, of from about seven, eight different schools, okay? And I thought, I'm not going to be the 40-year-old walking through the high school locker yeah. room. So, I, But I knowing the area, I went around the corner. There's another locker room that was open. And I went in there, and it ha, it's kind of set up a little bit different. It's got lockers. As soon as you walk in, you don't see the open locker room. You see the back of lockers. And you can walk down the hall and go to the restroom. So that was my plan. Nobody was going to see me. Well, as I turned that corner, I saw this shower stall. And it was gross. It was, I mean, it was nasty. It didn't look like it had been taken care of in a long time. And it made me mad because I love East High, and I have done a lot to try to prop up the image of what East High School is, and it just broke my heart to know that kids from other schools were coming to East High, maybe for the first time or maybe the last time, and this was what they were walking out of East High remembering. Okay, And it made me mad. So I snapped the photo, and I, I posted a picture that said, I was, here's what I was this mad about. This sucks. Yeah, this sucks because the Des Moines Public School District with its layers and layers and layers of administration and bureaucracy is spending a boatload of money on a community stadium that they think everybody is going to be proud of. And, and there's a whole other conversation there because it's all garbage. I mean, the whole math that they've thrown out in the register and the things that they keep putting out, about $60 million is what it would cost. When you look at those numbers, it's total bunk. And I was mad because in the face of this news that we're going to be spending a whole bunch of money to build this community stadium for everybody, I also realized the reason that they're able to justify this is because they let things fall apart. The district let the valley the, the 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 Lincoln Stadium fall apart. They let North and Hoover fall way behind. So now they can stand up and go, look, it's gonna take us twenty million dollars per location to get them up to speed. So why do we let them get that far? Why not just do the general maintenance that's required to keep these things where they're supposed to be? And then they can last for hundreds of years, right? Mm-hmm. And that was what I was seeing happen at in this locker room, I was just seeing it manifest right in front of me. Of the, This is yeah. falling apart. They haven't changed a drain cap in however many years. So I snapped it, and I sent it out. Man, did it cause a firestorm. Dude, I got a phone call from the principal. And I, now, the principal Ross, and I come friends. to my office, please. The principal and I are friends because I do a lot. I'm at the school a lot helping out, and I do a lot of other things. Um, with the golf committee, you've, you've yep. sponsored the uh, East High Golf Classic long before we were – Buddies in this way, you helped me out with, with some of the charities I've been a part of. And uh, so I'm at East quite a bit doing stuff for, for the principal. So we know each other. And before I sent this thing out, I did call her. And I, I basically just wanted to make sure my ducks were in a row, that I was fighting the right fight here. And I kind of was, <laughs> but I got a phone call during dinner that and she was upset with me. She was like, Ross, what the hell are you doing? Like, what are you? She didn't use that language, but it was like, what? I'm kind of mad, man, that you sent this thing out without talking to me. I, said, I tried to call you, and here's what my thought was. This isn't, the, you know, if, if, if we could walk in, Mark, to, the, to East High School and go, Miss Morris, we have a million dollars. We'd like you to blow up the bathroom and, and build a new one. Hire Newman Brothers to come in here and take care of this for you. She can't do it. She has to go to her bosses and go. It's I mean, just like I work for a big corporation yep. in radio, yep. she works for a big corporation in the Des Moines Public School District, and all of her bosses would have to approve it. And in fact, what they'd say was, "Well, get that get that million dollars and bring it to us, and then we will <laughs> we'll decide, decide what's to, best for the district with yeah. that with that million dollars." Um, and and sh- essentially, once I kind of talked her through my logic of the stadium, my logic of the million dollars, she was like, "You know what? Good for you. I'm glad you did it." Thanks a lot. Let's see what we let's see what happens here. And uh, man, in like the la- that's this is one of the really good things that's happened in the last month. I've received some private messages on Twitter and Facebook from guys I don't even know. I I don't even know who these guys are. And it was it's just like snapshots of these locker rooms that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. They look awesome. <laughs> they look awesome. They got a fresh coat of paint. They got new fixtures in them. They got a, a bunch of elbow grease now. I'm sure there's some guys in that building that are pissed off at me and yep. think that damn Peterson. Can he keep, keep his mouth shut? And I'm sorry that, that, that they, I caused them some grief at work for a while. I hope nobody lost their job or anything like that. It's not what I was intending. I was intending
0: just to point out
1: the hypocrisy of a district yeah. that is willing to let things fall apart and then pay a bunch of money to build.
0: Well, people. a little bit of school pride.
1: Yeah. A, a, right. as pride well. of Ownership man. Right. Yeah.
0: But that's one of the things that is unique about you. Um, the world is full of people that aren't willing to say what they feel they should say that's uh, you know dime a dozen type of thing the f- the people that are willing to speak up um they're they're much more rare and oftentimes it comes at a cost right i'm one of those people so i had as an as an example like this is an example of me you know i had um you know, without without going into great teal, detail at all, I had a had a had a buddy uh, that was about to get married, and I had some some concerns about that. Um
1: now,
0: just hold just,
1: on. just concerns about like the woman he was going to marry, or concerns about his behavior, concerns about-
0: uh, concerns about concerns about who he's going to marry. Because I had seen some some signs that that concerned me for for my buddy, right, mm-hmm. and I felt like you know what. I, I'm going to I'm going to say something to him about I, I'm not sure if you know are, are are you really sure I was like don't marry this person it was just have you really thought about this based off the signs and you know long story short went ahead and got married and now is not married yeah and it this isn't an I told you so the point is most people aren't gonna they're, they're gonna say good for you man good for you congrats on the marriage And that's probably the better way to do it if you're being honest, right? Because to put yourself out there and say something that isn't going to be popular, you know it's not going to be popular. And in fact, you know you might take some heat or that friend might say, F you, man, you know, whatever. That's tough to do that. But I also think it's rare and I also think it's right. It's not butting into someone's business. It's saying, I'm going to tell you what I feel because I care about you and I think you should... Hear this and think about what I'm saying.
1: I wonder if the buddy, I mean, obviously it's I, I who don't are mean, certainly I, not naming. I don't mean to make light of it. We've all anybody that's been in a relationship knows things are hard and heavy, and that's and, and I don't mean to make light of it at all. But I, I there is this thing in my head right now. I'm wondering if in those dark moments when they were fighting, and he kind of realized, I'm out of this, man. You are not the person I thought you were. I wonder if he ever said. You know, Charter told me not to marry you,
0: man. I hope that <laughs> that didn't come up. Uh, and you feel bad when a marriage ends, you feel bad. and like no nobody's written for that. that's not a that's not a good thing. I
1: heard Louis C. k, who i you know is is not necessarily the the greatest upstanding man of no, all time, he's not, but had some funny lines. Uh, one of the great ones was, "No good marriage ended in divorce."
0: yeah <laughs> that's that's very true. But you and I, I think are similar. You're the guy that's going to say this bathroom sucks. It needs a little bit of work versus saying, you know, 99% of the people don't snap the picture. They don't send it out because they don't want to ruffle feathers. I think one of the things that's potentially good and potentially harmful about this podcast is that you and I have a similarity in that we're willing to say the thing. And some people don't like that. And I totally get that. That's what makes people say in certain situations uh, probably less for you than for me, but Mark's an ass. Well, if if, <laughs> if 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 you're an ass for saying what you believe, then that's something that yeah, I can Mark, live here's with. Here's what
1: I learned, Mark, and maybe this is something, If I mean, I, I don't think there's a lot I can teach you, but maybe this is one of the things, because I learned this from uh, the smartest man I was ever around, Jan Michelson. Mm-hmm. You can say things people don't like. It's the way you say it. Sure, and you can, and you, you, we'll, will will teach you a way to say all those things with the right smile on your face. Jan had a way of being able to stab people, tell in people their, they're dumb to their face, tab, and stab they don't people care. in their stomach and twist the knife and do it with a smile on his face, and yep. then they'd walk away and go, "Jan, you're the nicest guy. When can I? <laughs> when can I come back?" And we used to joke about it, like yeah. we'd watch people walk away that Jan had just destroyed. And they would walk away and go, hey, call me whenever you want me to come back on the air. And we would go, man, it's like moths to the flame.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's something called, um, I've, I heard someone say this once, speak the truth in love. Harder to do and, sometimes. And that's exactly,
1: right? that, that's a great bumper sticker for it. It's, it's hard to do. And I swing and miss all the time. My wife gets the brunt of it daily where I try to do the, you know, I'm going to say this thing that's meant in love. Well, I'm just a total jerk about no. stuff and yeah. so anyway and it's, it's
0: challenging at times i know a couple a couple of friends of mine that would fit this bill um, where i would look at them and say man everybody loves them everybody loves them right they don't have, they don't seem maybe they do but they don't seem to have any enemies at all they but do. but at the same time because i know these people i would say i've never actually seen them take a position on anything uh-huh. and if you're not willing to take the position it's hard to be hated by anybody if you're not willing to say i'm a republican then the democrats aren't going to hate you because they don't know where you stand
1: i'm going to steal a thing from uh from curb your enthusiasm this first episode of uh, i haven't uh, seen it yet of of but i'm looking 10. forward to I it i won't ruin it for you then. i love I Larry, Larry david, david it, dude fantastic there are so many things in this first episode that are just brilliant little comedy things but what i, why I brought it up is because they they figure out that a MAGA hat yeah, is like a great human deterrent. And you know how much Larry hates people. So yeah. he figures out that wearing a MAGA hat is a way Keeps to get, people keep, keep people from away him. from
0: him. yeah. Oh, man, that show is brilliant. All right. Hey, I wanted to I wanted to ask your, your opinion on uh, one thing, uh, sports-related. So what this podcast is and what it isn't, for those that listen to the podcast, that was mainly geared around uh, Iowa State sports with life thrown in. Um, this is not a sports podcast. It is a podcast where we can talk about sports if they're relevant to life, but it's not a recap of the Iowa State-Iowa game. You do plenty of that on your show. Um, there's no need to do it, but occasionally stuff comes up that I like to pick your brain on because you do always have an opinion, which is good. And I'm willing to share it, that's for sure. I like that,
1: and, and I like having a place to have an outlet for it. So
0: here's here is what I want to, to ask you. I was having this debate with someone uh, the other day. Not even a debate, but just a discussion. Derek Jeter's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Derek Jeter gets 396 votes out of 397. One guy didn't vote for him. And to my knowledge, we don't know who that is yet. It's anonymous. Maybe that person will come out or not.
1: Did you see the guy from Barstool that that tried to claim... Posted a picture of a ballot. Have you seen it? No. It's fantastic. It is one of the great troll jobs of all time. He posted a picture of his ballot and said, Hey, I'm the guy. Yeah. And he had voted for Jose Valverde <laughs> and not Darren Cheater. And people lost it's their minds. It's like mind. uh amazing. there's
0: a few that had one vote, like uh what what's uh putts, his last his last name's putts. I can yeah, JJ Putts. JJ Putts yeah. got a vote for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So um I was having this discussion with with a friend that was not saying that Derek Jeter does not belong in the hall of fame. But what he was saying was, I don't know if he should be unanimous because his argument was he was never the best player in the game at any one time. He never won the MVP award, et cetera. And my take was, He's one of the best players of all time. He's a five-time World Series champion. He had 3,456 hits, somewhere in that oh, ballpark. Is, right, crazy. Uh, most ever for a Yankee. Most doubles for a Yankee. He The top of the Yankees list in a lot of categories. He played every day. He was a team captain. He, he played was, shortstop. He was clutch. Yeah. Uh, never gotten an ounce of trouble. Did it the right way. If there's ever going to be a unanimous Hall of Fame vote for for a player, because it's is he one of the greatest players of all time? And the answer to me is, if the answer is yes, for the person that voted no or didn't vote for him, you you literally have to say he is not one of the best players of all time. Help me understand why anybody can make that vote other than it's a Boston journalist or somebody with a personal grudge.
1: I mean, I think that I think we're going to find out if the person ever does come forward. There's obviously a personal thing here. I mean... This is such a weird conversation, Mark, because to me, first ballot Hall of Fame has always been a weird thing. That is a guy a Hall of Famer? And it's, I mean, I'm okay with guys staying on ballots and we reevaluate things. And I love the fact that the Veterans Committee gets to pull guys back, but man, it should be like a a one-time deal. Are you a Hall of Famer? Five years out, six years out, do we see you as a guy that deserves to be enshrined forever? And if we don't, then... Good career, man. You get to join the bajillions of other Major League Baseball players in the river of life that's Major League Baseball. Um, So it's always been strange to me that there would be these – it almost seems self-righteous that a writer would say, you are a Hall of Famer, but you are not worthy of the first ballot. Or in this case, I think it was the guy – everybody knew Jeter was in. It was a guy that said, uh, he's not going to be unanimous. And I, if I have to be the lone holdout to make sure he's not unanimous, I'll be the lone holdout. Mariano Rivera was a, was a unanimous Hall of Famer. Which,
0: which, the only one.
1: The only one, right.
0: Which, which is really, compared to Jeter, really strange. Mariano Rivera, greatest closer in baseball history. But he also had to get three outs. He got, in, in some cases, many, many off days in a row. And you compare that to the guy that has to mentally prep to go play a game every single day. Rarely missed games. Uh, how weird, Mark. Y- weird. You know, how many games was Rivera in compared to Jeter? And you you get this unanimous thing over here and over here, at least one moron says, nope, not not going to do it. That doesn't make any sense to me at all.
1: Again, man, it goes back to that conversation about perspective. It- Mariano Rivera is held up against other guys that pitched one inning that had to get those three outs, which are the most important three outs and are much more difficult to get than any other three outs in the day. So there's, that's a whole other thing. But it's, he's compared to the Trevor Hoffmans and the other people. When you, sure. when you put him next to that, you go, oh, my gosh, look how much better. And then you do the same thing with Jeter, and you go, well, wait a minute. We had a time in, in Derek Jeter's career where he would have, even on the exact same projection, and having the exact same career, we could have watched a guy be a first-ballot Hall of Famer and never start an All-Star game because he was playing parallel to Alex Rodriguez as yeah. a shortstop in the American League and Nomar Garcia-Para, who were both, at the beginning of their careers, better shortstops than Derek Jeter and had better yep. better offenses than, yep. uh, than Jeter. So anyway... It's all relative. Like you, we look at it and we go, "Well, here's one dude that was barely better than the other people around him, and another guy that was so much better." They're going, "Yeah, but they're playing the same game." And one dude's out there for nine innings, playing shortstop, getting five at bats a night because he's hitting first or second in the lineup, Mm -hmm. and the other guy comes in and pitches, throws one pitch nine times. Yeah, (laughs) king of the sinker uh, or cutter, cutter, cutter. That's what they
0: call it. Yeah. Um, so, but I,
1: you know, it, it's such a weird thing to me, Mark. I, I, don't, I don't begrudge the guy. I don't care. I don't care. He's in the Hall of Fame. Jeter
0: seems to not care. He shouldn't.
1: He absolutely should not care at all. And they, and because the argument is still valid, is Derek Jeter the greatest of all time? No, no, no. And so, can you know? Is that can that writer kind of stand up and go? I wasn't going to allow him to be in a category above all of these other people. Yeah. He can be in the category with them. He can't be in one by himself. So I don't it's a weird
0: thing. Let but, me give you an over under on one more Hall of Famer. Uh I'll say 10 years. Is your over under? Pete Rose joins the Hall of Fame in light of all the other crap that's happened in baseball.
1: Boy. No. And I think it's the wrong way to move the bus. I, I, I have a lot of uh, other opinions on Pete, and I think that the, his story has been whitewashed over time um, that it, we, we want to make Pete out to be a saint that he wasn't. He was a pretty dirty dude, man. He did a lot of nasty stuff, and there's yep. a lot of accusations out there. When the Me Too movement was going on, there were some people that came out with some horrible things about yep. what he did when he was a superstar with that with that power. Uh, you, you We shouldn't lessen the penalties on previous people because idiots are, are in the game today we should throw the book at the idiots today and anybody that wants to argue that wants to bring Pete Rose into this conversation should do it as Pete's the example to follow not these Astros and these guys today are the example to follow let's let's pull Pete onto this train yep uh and I, I there is something a bit different about what Pete did the gambling on games has always been rule number 1 like you don't do this yeah. you don't ever do that the stealing signs there is a bit of a gray area here now the electronic aspect of it is just like pete rose they all knew they shouldn't have been doing that so again ban these guys kick them out baseball would be a And better, they're not even in trouble they're not even they, that i mean major league baseball's already said we're not even interested in yeah. in going after these players and they're probably not even going to investigate this buzzer thing That's been happening. We'll see. I mean, I'll be interested to see. I'm happy that Manfred continued some of the things that he did with the Astros, that Cora is now gone, that Beltron is gone. I said right away when this thing went down with the Astros, something was up with Cora and Beltron getting those jobs, and Major League Baseball was going to have to step in. So I'm glad they've done that. Uh, I don't think you go, I don't think you go nearly as far as pulling Pete Rose off the band list in fact, I think you you use the argument to push more guys onto
0: it. so do you think that you personally do you think he does not belong in the Hall of Fame and should stay out? Yeah so if you made me bet on it, I
1: would say no, he's not in the Hall of Fame in ten years and if you asked me my opinion on it, I'd say no he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame ever
0: so you and I differ on that because um if you believe the Hall of Fame is reserved for the greatest players to have ever played the game of baseball. He clearly fits that mold. I don't think most people would disagree with that. Hits leader, yeah, li- cetera. But
1: I do think that there's a caveat to that of like you can't put a black eye on the game. You can't leave the game in a worse spot than where you than you found it. That that is he,
0: there, there's some truth man. to that. But at the same point if you read the history then you wouldn't have people like Ty Cobb in the Hall but, of Fame. There's some scumbags.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. It's not the Hall of good people, right? But yeah. but but Ty Cobb um, and, again, some revisionist history that's happening sure. with Ty Cobb because there's a lot of stuff out there that Ty Cobb kind of got uh, – isn't the racist POS that all of us were told that he was when he was a player. Mm-hmm. So maybe, again, for a long time, nobody gave a crap about Ty Cobb being who he was until the Pete Rose thing happened, and then it was like, oh, yeah, by the way, you had these other jerks yeah. in life also. Uh, and, again, I, know, I just don't think that's the right way to move – to move it, that it, you know, you set the standard, you hold the standard. Then you set the standard and you hold the standard, and you don't you don't go backwards with it. Ty Cobb was a jerk, no doubt about it. The guy would fly in with his spikes eye. He was obviously a racist in the early nineteen hundreds, and uh, and was a pretty bad dude. He didn't he didn't he didn't do anything to hurt the game of baseball, no. you know. The racism that existed was much bigger than Ty Cobb. It was bigger than even the game of baseball, unfortunately, yeah. at that time, right? So I'm not going to hold him responsible for the crimes of society that he was, that he was yeah. raised in.
0: So you guys like uh, Clemens, Bonds, Palmero, McGuire, Sosa, all out, in your opinion?
1: Man, so again, they're all an individual conversation because for Bonds, it's a, Bonds is a really tough one for me because the guy was never actually caught. Yeah, and did OJ kill his wife? Hundred percent. Did Barry Bonds do steroids? Hundred percent. Yeah. Can we can we hold them guilty of heads grow that much normally? (laughs) Right outside of the the court of public opinion. Yeah. Can we do that? So I don't know. Bonds is a tough one for me, man. I'm not as I'm not nearly as cut and dry on him as I am with a lot of those other guys. Clemens is kind of a jerk to me. There's a whole thing with Pettit that I would love to have with you sometime about um you know to me there's there's the 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 discretion that's needed with each one of these cases also has to bring in their intent behind doing it. What were they trying to do? Barry Bonds was trying to hit 75 home runs a year and and hit balls over McCovey Cove. Yeah. Roger Clemens was trying to be stronger and better if you believe Andy Pettit he was trying to recover from an injury he was using something that was medically available Uh, he was using a scientific advancement to bring him back from injury and get him to where he was before injury or maybe a little better didn't I just describe Tommy John I mean like Tommy John surgery is listen it was experimental my body got hurt yeah, my, my body is hurt, and I want to get back into the game. And there's this thing that can happen. They, they go in, and they cut out part of my body, and then they put it in a different part of my body. Yeah. And then I'm able to be better than I was before. This is, okay, this is, you're just changing some words there. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm hurt. I can't get back to where I was before unless I take this thing and put it inside of my body.
0: It's like, this like, is, well, your, but this is your ship thing. But
1: it didn't come from you. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: just so weird. Is it really your arm if it's your leg? You know it, I mean, it, <laughs> that's the argument. And here. It, and Can you pitch with your
1: leg, Ross? And is, then, that, and is that allowed? But if you allow that, then you just go down to having to trust a person on what their intention was.
0: You yeah. know? Well, I only did it once and you guys happened to catch me. This happens to be related to. Uh, I'm a big believer in this. How you win is is as important, if not more so, than just winning itself. An example of this that drives me nuts and it's such an easy solution to fix this. Uh, I was reading in the paper that Ames High got beat by Hoover the other day. Um, game went to overtime, and in the article it said that Hoover held the ball for four minutes in the overtime period. Do you want to win like that? Do you really want to win? Do you want to win because the other team forfeited and say, oh, we won? Do you want to win because... We didn't actually play the game. We took advantage of the fact there's no shot clock in Iowa High School and just sat and did nothing with the ball. My my opinion is that sucks, dude. Go play. If You can't beat them by actually playing the game and playing it the way it's supposed to be played. You didn't deserve to win, and they're better than you. This winning at all costs, no matter what we have to do to get it, that sucks, man. I, I hate could, it.
1: I could see that at the... You know, if, if, and I don't know where we are in the, in the high school basketball season. We're not – well, yeah, I do. We're not far enough along that it's playoff yet. This is still regular season. Regular season,
0: season. yep. <sighs> Come on.
1: I can see – in the playoffs, your job and, and everybody on that team, every parent, everybody that's involved, every, every, go admi- home. every administrator, they wouldn't care if the game was two to nothing no. as long as they had the points on the board right and you could you would sit there at wells fargo and watch a four-hour game if you knew your team was going to win and go on but man to do it the regular season yeah yeah i'm i could i agree with everything you said there mark and i it does sound like the iowa high school athletic association is starting to move towards doing some stuff we're going to get chris Quayar on our on on fanatics with us soon i'm hoping but uh because uh, they they're doing some like, some like experimental stuff. I think it was like a holiday tournament yeah. over the Christmas break that they they had it. They were hosting it at one of the arenas in the in the state. I don't know if it was in the Quad Cities or yep. Davenport or in uh, in Cedar Rapids or Sioux City, but they hosted a tournament and used the shot clocks. And all the coaches agreed to do it. And I didn't hear anybody say, "Oh my gosh, it was horrible for basketball." Well, the
0: excuse I've always heard, and I don't know if this is true, is cost. That well, your four A schools have a lot more money than one A schools. They can't afford a shot clock, which is bollocks. Bollocks, I say, because it is not that tough to go out and find someone to sponsor something like that. You're, you're not willing to ask the question. I mean, a shot clock yeah. isn't fifty thousand bucks no, to put about, in a shot clock. It's
1: about six grand to get it to get it installed. That is not right? that it's tough. Not, it, you're right, Mark. You are absolutely right. It is much more difficult for every it, man. The, the, the broad statement that you made, or first of all, that a lot of people make is, well, you know, it wouldn't be a problem for any of the 4A schools. Now, the little schools I get, that could not be more on its head. A lot of the little schools have money. A lot of the little schools, they've got a donor sitting around who's got some money. They've got a farmer who's who's got cash and is willing to make things nice around the community or a business owner that's willing to do that. Not every small school, and, there, and there's a lot more small schools don't have that than do, but... The other side of that is also untrue, where the big schools aren't just sitting on cash. Again, man, we're talking about the bathrooms at East High School. Maybe just
0: more people to make up the difference for what it costs.
1: It's like the first conversation we had about what happened to me to get back, to get my job back. It's a soup of stuff. There's this whole mix of things that why we can't have shot clocks or why they don't yet. And cost is a big one. That $6,000 is a lot of money for some schools and for the. For the Iowa High School Athletic Association to just send out this blanket thing that said, "All right, everybody, go do this now." Some schools could snap their fingers. Dowling would have Dowling could do it today. East could do it next week. There are some schools that would say we're going to have to restructure some stuff. Mm Six thousand dollars is a lot of money for us around here. And they and and so the, the the Iowa School Athletic Association is aware of that financial side of it. There are some other weird parts of this. Okay, one of them is finding somebody to run it finding people to work games is nearly impossible at a lot of schools probably as many that are having that would have the financial concern there are just as many and and it'd be a Venn diagram they wouldn't be the exact same schools yeah. and some of them would overlap and have both we don't have the money and we don't have the people but a lot of schools would look around and go you want us to find we have a hard time finding a person that can run the book a person that will run the scoreboard, and a person that will unlock the official's room at halftime. Yeah. That takes three different people to do those three jobs. And now you want us to find a person that not only will sit here and run the shot clock for every game, but then knows how to run how the shot clock. How to do it. Because it's a, there's, a, there's a science to it. There's a process. you got to know all the rules. Yep. So you can't just grab the fifth dad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so It's, it's a, true. There's
0: certainly a learning curve. But,
1: but can all of those things be solved? Yep. Will all of them be solved? Well,
0: yeah. how about we just agree to start here? How about we just do it at the dang state tournament where they already have shot I clocks? I think that would
1: be a great idea. And, and, and Mark, I think you could even do it. I don't. I should talk to Cuellar about this, but why couldn't you just do it for 4A? Because, again, the, a lot of the 4A schools couldn't do it, but they would be. it would be easier for them to find the six grand somewhere. Sure. And I think that then the Iowa High School, High School Athletic Association, you've got a much no, smaller number of 4A schools – they could even help foot the bill. For manageable. Some yeah, because they make money.
0: I don't know how we got on that subject. It's just whatever. It's been this bothering me. This is what this is
1: going to be, man. How long have we been doing this?
0: Uh, we're at an hour 10. We gave Dude. the people what they wanted. So let's wrap up. But I want to wrap up with a couple things um, just about uh, the future of this thing. One, uh, we, need a, we need a title. So if anyone out there is listening to this, has a good title, Ross does not like Ross and Mark say it all. We
1: can do it with say it all. I just feel like today that was a, a bit misleading. I mean, I can't. I wish I could say Ross and
0: Mark say everything that they're allowed to say, with some exceptions. It's not a great title for a (laughs) podcast. So if you've got a good uh, suggestion, uh, more than willing to listen uh, to those. Also, um, Ross and I are, we're scholars and we're gentlemen, but uh, if somebody wants to be a sponsor on this thing i'm certainly going to put the call out for that too as of now it's sponsored by guess who charterhouse real estate if you want to save thousands of dollars when you sell your house look us up now i can say look up ross or myself well not officially but coming up in a a few weeks hopefully right we can say to look up ross or you can call him now and and prep for a meeting in the future
1: yeah and i can i'll put you in touch with the the guys that mark has sold i have one of my best friends in the world a guy that i'm getting texts from as we're sitting here about fishing up in canada uh Mark helped him sell his home and uh, I have my, my a feeling next glowing. time he's not gonna call me as a oh, well, no he knows who the expert is <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's smart enough to not deal with a deal with a dummy he'll, he'll get you. I'm gonna have
0: you train up really 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 <laughs> expert level uh, before too long um, so no uh, we can promise you like I said at the intro to this uh, tens of people are going to listen to this thing. So it's definitely a good business investment. We don't know numbers. We'll find out. I think people like Ross enough to know that we'll, uh, we'll have a good crowd. Uh, But yeah, if you want us to plug your business on this, we're happy to do it. And uh, I will say this about my sponsorship with fanatic that does have a big network. I'm not comparing what we're doing to, to that at all. Um, It was a good investment financially for me. I always want people to understand that. Um, I got lots of calls from people that listened to the podcast and called me because of it. So there is power you're, in podcast You're
1: able to do that be you're able to do this because of that
0: Oh absolutely yeah. 100%, 100% So if and your business I, and, would and benefit
1: I would say this knowing both you and Chris, that business relationship will be back at some point and things have a way of going full circle and, and they will be bigger and better than ever.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, and and by the way, if Chris is listening, Hey buddy, you're invited on this too. I've already said that before, but just to give an official invite. So if you is have any it, interest, it, it, join know, us. I
1: didn't mention him, Mark. And it, I hope if he is, if somebody is listening, they're still listening that heard that beginning, having Chris as a teammate through all that last week was amazing. He would, cause you know, I'm a mo I'm an emotional guy anyway. And there was, times that I wanted to not react the way that we were reacting publicly. I was angry and I was emotional. And in those moments I reached out to Chris and every time he said, don't worry, we're got, we got this calm down. We're cool. And, uh, it was just so great to have a, a calming force like that. He's an awesome guy. I love him.
0: Chris is a good dude. He gives yep. good hugs. I got one last week. So <laughs> uh, moving forward, I think the plan for Ross and I is to do this um, on a weekly basis. Now, next week will be tough because I'm in class, baby. Yeah, Ross is in class, which we're going to, you know, I'll just come bring the podcast equipment to class, and we'll just do it in the back of the room. I, they won't I bet even, they'd they won't, love it. They won't even notice. We quiet down back there. No, we're doing a podcast. So, hey, thanks for waiting. If you've been waiting for this podcast, it's been a long time coming. Uh, Ross specifically getting fired uh, has led to the ability to even do this. So that's a plus in my book. We're obviously glad you got your job back, but excited for what you're going to do in real estate. I have high hopes, no pressure on you that you're going to help a lot of people buy and sell a home. Uh, which is great for Ross and also great for the people that he will help. Um, but again, yeah, if you've got a name, send it our way. If not, so be it. We're going to come up with something cool, uh, I promise, and maybe even have a cool photo of Ross and I sharing spaghetti like Lady and the Tramp. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. Well, we'll figure <laughs> I'll that I'll out. I'll pass as on go. that, I think. But. All right, everybody. We'll be back maybe next week depending upon Ross's schedule, but we will plan to do this uh, once a week moving forward. Hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll talk to you soon.